Zig coming in on the top. Today on the show, we have returning for the third time Danielle DePicciato and Alexander Hacken from Hacken DePicciato, the two of which are lifelong, full-time artists, diving in multimediums, music being the one we talk about in this conversation. I've talked with Danielle and Alexander a few times. In the first part of uh, our conversation is really when we get into their history and the profound impact they had and are continuing to have. But Danielle started uh, with the early Berlin techno scene and started a thing called the Love Parade, which still happens today, which combined the east and west side of Germany through techno music. And if you're interested in that story, check out my first conversation with Danielle DiPicciato in an earlier episode. But today we're here to talk about Hacking DiPicciato's new album, Keepsakes. It's available now on all streaming platforms. The album is an homage to the friends Danielle and Alexander have made along the way. Another really cool aspect of this record from their other works, it's just recorded in the auditorium Novecento in Napoli, one of the first recording studios in Europe. Um, I usually have a listening example, but the downloads for me timed out, which means you guys have to go support Alexander and Danielle on their own platforms, linked below. So check out Keepsakes, and we're going to jump into this conversation. Before I do, this was a little uh, rushed. They had something go wrong, um, and I was rushing to a gig in Akron. Um, but we got together, and every time I talk with these guys, there's always some inspiration to be found and always new insight. So I hope you guys enjoy our conversation. One other thing before we get to that, if you can like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast on any of the podcast platforms, it helps me keep talking to cool guests like Danielle and Alexander and sharing their insights with you. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Hacking to Picciato, part three. So to kind of jump into it, um, the new album... I like to, whenever I listen to a record or whenever Howard sends me someone, I like to listen to it before reading the bio or reading the uh, uh, press release to kind of get a, a feeling for what it just sounds like. And being the, that I've gotten to talk with you guys and listen to your work before, it was really, it was like really interesting kind of just listening to it without knowing the context of this record. And like, because listening through, I'm like, this is a really kind of personal twist to to what you guys do in a way not that your other work isn't personal but like it 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 was it was striking me more as like like your journey and then i went and read the read the work that came with it and i was like oh it's about your friend and like and i was like so whatever that that essence you were going for i think comes off to not even knowing what the record may be about and it's a fantastic record thank, thank you. you oh thanks so my first question with that is like, being that it, it's it, it it's celebrating the friendship. Was it kind of written during twenty twenty, or was it like, or were seeds planted for this record during that time, when the world was kind of shutting down? Well, the seeds were being planted because we noticed how much we missed our friends, and you know, um, I mean. You know, of course, the ones in the U.S. or in Canada or overseas, but also the ones in Europe or even in Berlin. So um, I don't know. I mean, we just started thinking about them a lot and speaking about them a lot. And some passed away. And, you know, it was just like this theme. And we didn't have much time to actually prepare the album. Um, but the thoughts were there beforehand. You know, so basically it was just kind of gathering all the thoughts that we had had and then kind of manifesting 
manifesting it, right? Well, we invited these people. <laughs> it's like we invited them to uh, take part in in our record, and they they did they did show up. <laughs> we are grateful for that. <laughs> it's interesting. Like it's like when you have that. I mean, you guys, your output's pro prolific. Like you put out. You guys are constantly putting stuff out. So I imagine a project like this in like in the last time I talked with you guys with the last record, one of them kind of precedes the other with what's doable and what's more kind of visualized uh, like or finalized to be able to start to do. Um, so with like recording this record and you guys like with the studio you guys worked in, was that always kind of part of it or was that like a, a thing that opened up? Well, we uh, when we finally got to tour again last year in the spring, we did a tour of the uh, of uh, Italy, and when we got to uh, Naples, Napoli, in the very south of Italy, we got to play in a um, a place called Auditorium Novecento, which uh, turned out was one of the first recording studios in Europe, uh, established sometime in the early 20s, right about the time the actual uh, Shellac record, the first actual discs uh, were established. That's when that studio was established. It had been a, a recording studio ever since. And uh, and now they had just in the last couple of years, they started doing shows in the big live recording room. And uh, so uh, we asked whether they are still operating as a recording studio. And when they said yes, we said like, okay, well, Say no more. We'll be back. In <laughs> that's so cool. When I was reading about that, I was like, that's like, did, so did you know any of the history before, when you guys booked the gig there? No? No. Oh, that's even cooler. It's, yeah, it was amazing. We just thought it looked amazing because it's really like entering the 70s. It's still like totally, it looks like 70s, you know? Yeah. And. Um, and then this is there's this huge room like the recording room is huge and there's all these instruments standing around like a grand piano tubular bells and we were just like oh my god do these instruments stay here when people record and they're like yeah yeah it's part of the studio and we're like oh my god we have to go here and an, an amazing collection you know like the the house engineer was also the house engineer for our show and um, and he showed me their collection of microphones, you know, like all these vintage uh, valve microphones, you know, Neumanns, you know, like the German yeah. uh, microphone that you, you know, you can't get your hands on in Germany anymore. So I was like, yeah, okay, sold, sold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then, and then when we were there, when we were basically recording there, you know, we had no idea of its history. And on the first day, you know, we were we were in the recording room and then there was this letter on the wall. And I was like, because I couldn't read it, it was like really old. And I said, who's that letter from? And they said Caruso. And I was like, what? Uh, it was a it was a poem uh, composed by Caruso uh, in as a thank you note. Yeah. To, uh, we're like Caruso and they're like yeah this is the oldest recording studio in Naples and probably in Europe and um all the old like you know the old Naples opera people and all those singers recorded there and then they took us on a tour because they said it used to be not only a recording studio but next to the recording a recording studio there was the plant where they would press everything wow. and there was 
record label and underneath it they have this huge basement like these kind of you know arcs this like really old kind of hallway where all the old recordings are stored but it's really neglected so it's all like full of dust and it's kind of it's like an it's like in a movie and they're like yeah this is the whole history of music in here we're like oh my god this is incredible and then they at the very end they said yes and Morricone recorded here too, and then I almost fainted. <laughs> yeah, it actually is it's the kind of stuff that I, I dream, you know. Like, uh, and, and yeah, I, you know, I dream that I'm recording in the oldest uh, recording studio in Europe in Naples. Yeah. That I'm in their vault with the archives of all the old Sherlock <laughs> records. And this, this is the kind of stuff, you know, I, I dream. It was incredible. <laughs> it really was. That's we were kind of. Oh, cool. It seems yeah. so you guys too. Like, like, and it's, it's even more magic to kind of chance upon it. Like, yeah. So like, yeah. And it being like a big room, like more coin, he would have like, you know, like orchestra pieces like recorded there and such. Yeah. So right. yeah. hundred yeah. fifty people orchestras, you know, like really big film orchestras and, and the, the control room used to be the, projection room so they would project uh, movies into the room and an entire orchestra play along with the movie and stuff it's incredible <laughs> wow that's like how did like i mean that kind of like his music kind of knowing that it inspires you guys so much like makes sense now that i think back about all the listening through all your records prior like when did uh, morricone's music reach you guys and touch you guys me, it touched, it was like the first record I ever got. Really? Yeah. <laughs> my father gave it to me. Yeah. My, the first record I ever, first album I ever had was The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and, you know, with his soundtrack. And I was hooked from the very first moment. I think I was five. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. And it's really funny because when we were saying that we're going to go to Naples, I was thinking, Naples, Italy, I don't know, like what music would would inspire me there. And I couldn't think of anything. I had like a, I don't know why I had a blank. And I was thinking like, I could only think of Adriano Celentano. And I was like, that's certainly not my kind of music. <laughs> and only when we were in the studio and they said, well, this is, this is an instrument that Morricone used. I was like, what? <laughs> oh, of course. And I suddenly remembered, of course. <laughs> so everything kind of just fell into place. That's a, yeah. What was the instrument? What? What was the instrument? Um, the it's a, a Celeste. Celeste. Like a, uh, it's it's like a glockenspiel. It's like a bell. A bell piano. But it's like a piano. It's like a really small one. You know where he plays like little melodies. Yeah. De -de 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 -de. That that instrument was Aside from from a whole set of tubular bells, you know, which are really expensive. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, a, a few years ago. Uh, <laughs> On Danielle's birthday, actually, on the 19th of February, uh, Morricone happened to do a big show with like a, you know, 100-piece uh, orchestra and choir in Berlin. And I got uh, I got us tickets, like in the third row or something, like the best tickets in the house. And I, and I took her there and I didn't even tell her that where we were going. And basically, you know, we we cried for a couple of hours because she was crying because <laughs> I was so happy. I was happy that she was so happy, and we were just, you know, just like um, <laughs> crying. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's so cool. 
<laughs> that all is kind of encapsulated in the album too. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's it's a, it's a joyous celebration of like friendship and like and that that that's so cool that 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 early inspiration like is there as well. Like uh there was a smaller Coney quote like he would compose on a a piano that was out of tune and like in if he would it, because like a melody should be able to carry through an instrument that's out of tune or something was his bit i'm like wow that's that's I cool like the stu- the tune itself should precede the instrument not being able to play it and should still be yeah good. that <laughs> is great that wow. is great that makes total sense i've yeah like I, I came across that getting ready to talk with you guys and i was like oh my god that's so cool <laughs> like i get <laughs> i get why they're so influenced by him now yeah. <laughs> um, but the kind of jump back in like so when it comes to like writing about a friend or finding like what's kind of like I, and there's no right or wrong answer but like what what essences do you pull musically to represent that? Like when you think about writing for or about a person in this case a friend like what kind of tendencies did you guys find? Was it lyrically kind of like uh, like conveying this friendship, or was it like finding a musical like notes that like uh, like a musical way to express that, or like a, a tone or style that represented them or that they influenced you with? Like, what was kind of the process of musically? Most of them were were musicians, uh, and and so. That was one thing, and and it was a, a quite a hard task. On the other hand, because we we were careful not to lose our very own unique voice over the homage to somebody who might do something entirely different, but we love, you know, and uh, so uh, we're quite versatile. So we we could have ended up with a with a whole sequence of entirely different. Uh, uh, genres and styles, but we we tried to avoid that and and tried to to put their musical influences and also their character traits, which might be very different from the kind of scenery we usually evoke. You know, like so it was uh, it was quite a delicate task to be very to be respectful and to stay true to our own voice and to uh, still come up with something exciting and stimulating and whatever well i think you guys definitely did that because like with my first listen i wasn't like i wasn't like this doesn't sound like you guys but it sounds it sounds like there's something to it um so was that like like uh, uh i guess musically diving into it um what's the word i'm trying to find like did they like w- thinking about certain people and like what they was there like a, a style or instrument or a set of a, a mode or something that you know, one of your friends used musically that you applied, and maybe this was the first time applying that. Well, one thing that definitely kind of slipped in was a slight jazz approach, um, like a couple of you know percussive things or trumpets or um, stuff. We hadn't had that at all before. Although I did um, do the soundtrack for a documentary film last year on Michael Caine and. Uh, when I think of him, I always think of jazz. Yeah. So okay, the whole soundtrack was basically jazz. And I really enjoyed doing that, which surprised me. And um, a couple of the friends that we're dedicating the songs to do have slight experimental connections with jazz. So we thought, 
it would be fun to kind of, you know, um, let that be part of it a little bit. So that's definitely something that is new and that we actually really enjoyed and we kind of want to keep. Yeah. Or the, like, for example, the, the guy we did, uh, Schwarze Milch, the first single for, um, he, he's definitely an existentialist. So, <laughs> so that's why the, the track has, has that kind of beatnik, uh, you know, existentialist cigarette chain smoking, uh, Turtleneck wearing kind of uh, feel. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. That's cool that the the dabble in it and find what you're gonna take from that. You know, like it's kind of like when you first start getting into music and learning about it. It's like your friends show you that record of the artist that, like, oh, this is this is so. And I want to try to do what they're doing. You know, and like the kind of be able to like to the friend that had that thing you're like yeah cool you know like the dive into their world a little bit sounds really rewarding that's awesome right but again it's 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 very it's like you know walking on that edge of not being too much in that direction and keeping your own thing it was like something which we constantly had to check like how far because some of them do very different music than we do And um, it was not easy to kind of find something that would work with our, you know, our kind of sound or style and still represent them. So we have, we have like in every song, we have like little um, secret hints about who it is for or little, um, little, like, for instance, you asked about the lyrics, for instance, in Schwarze Milch, the musician, um, I was Alex like saying the story that um well he um he was a big fan of of uh, all kinds of different uh existentialist things and there's a uh, um the the composer Eric Satie you know Eric Satie uh, he uh, he was uh, he was a kook and uh, he at one point decided he would only nourish himself with white foods so he he would only eat things that were white huh. so uh, and, Our friend decided, okay, well, I only eat things that are black then. That's why, <laughs> that's why the title, the title of the, the song is Schwarze Milch, black because milk. it's black milk. <laughs> But again, has um, a connotation to Paul Celan, the writer, because that's a very existentialist writer, which our friend loved. So there's like all these different kind of like, you know, little puzzles and game, you know, mind games within the whole thing which kind of show or represent that person but then it's so layered and, and hidden that you really have to kind of look for it or know the person to be able to recognize it because that was another thing you know it was like the most important thing of course is that the music has to stand for itself even without the story so it's great that you listen to it before reading it before because mm. that's like the most important thing of course that the music has to, you know, has to be okay with, even for people that do not read anything about it. So that was the, the whole, like, it was like, you know, these, all these tasks that we had writing these songs, trying to upkeep that idea. And also we're not, we're not really announcing or making public who, who the, the pieces are dedicated to. Yeah. So, uh, and I'm really curious to see when it comes out And we play it to other close friends of these people, whether they will, you know, whether they will get it, you know. So this is uh, <laughs> this is quite a, quite exciting to see, you know, like playing it to a close friend of, of that very person. 
than seeing if they if a little light switches on, you know. <laughs> or how long or it not. takes them for them to get there. Like, wait a minute, that's not Tom. What? Well, I think well, I think you guys do a really like an expertise job at that because like go like it's like I think w when you learn a style of a thing musically, like right, like I want to apply it. Uh, the the Coltrane licks in my plane, like in like they really become applied when they don't sound like you're trying to sound like Coltrane, but they sound like when you're playing you. And is that influenced by Coltrane? Like when there's like it becomes so embedded in what you do, like that someone's like, I guess that's where they're going with that. You know what I mean? Like when that murky water is really like kind of mastery in that sense. So that's that's really cool that that was like kind of the thought going into it like let's have that murkiness because it, that's us but how we perceive our fr you know what i mean like in in the bigger sense how we perceive them and like so that's really cool that that was always kind of on on concern um i guess like because when kind of going back like as it does stand as on like when my first listen through i thought it was all about your guys's journey musically because i was like troubadour and like kind of going through through i'm like because you guys are always moving and like this is the, you know what i mean so i just thought it was like that level you know so i the, to further expand upon what you said it definitely carries through on its own cool fantastic and of course i mean you know i think that as an artist everything that you do somehow also reflects upon yourself so you know the friends that one has of course are a reflection of the things that are important to oneself so it's kind of like a mirror thing and it's i don't know it's it it was a really interesting experiment it, it kind of made you know made us think a lot about ourselves and our friends and why they are because all of the people that we are you know um dedicating these songs to were like the most important or are the most important people it kind of in our lives and um was like you know what was it so if you're if you're doing that it's almost like painting a portrait of somebody or like looking at every feature and thinking about it and and when you're doing music you're kind of thinking more of the soul and how you can express that so it's it's um yeah it's a lot of you know i don't know yeah even though soul I, searching even <laughs> yeah and but even though i think that whatever creative process or whatever art you're doing you're just laying you know you're just uh, laying out the seeds you know for uh, and as the the piece grows it becomes an entity of its own with its very own demands and it'll tell you what it needs you know and at one point it'll be uh, developed or evolved to to a point where whatever you feel very necessary to apply doesn't apply anymore, you know, like, like oh, I should really play this and this on, on top of that, though. But the piece will go like, nah, I don't, I don't need that, you know, <laughs> you know, or it will go, like, no, no, you should really do that and that. And but and you go like, but I can't play the trombone. Yeah, but I said, yeah, but I really need a trombone, yeah, you know. And it, it'll, you know, it, it becomes a conversation between the creator and the creation and the creation at one point just goes like hey do this to me <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense that makes sense though you know what i mean like and that's really cool that, and that so like going through the studio and being like having all these extra instruments and stuff like that like these tubular bells and stuff yeah was it like no they all need it and the piece was like maybe not all of us <laughs> <laughs> or you know what i mean like that's but that, that's that's a really I, I think a really cool way to to look at that process because there's so much like 
I feel like so much of it can be formulaic because we got to learn formulaically to be able to start to express, you know? Um, so I think, I think that was really well said. Um, I, I, I can't, I can't remember the song, but it starts with that jazz beat and it's got that like, um, and then it goes into like, talk about not liking New York as much. Oh, it's, it's, loving New York. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing as leaving New York was it? Was yeah, it like yeah. A, a Gideon. <laughs> yeah, was well. Yeah. I guess was that one of those pieces that needed certain things, and or or was that one like that process was pretty clear in or? Um, they all have that. Okay, they're all like that. <laughs> they all have what? They they all say what they want. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was funny because with that piece. Um, I mean, I'm from New York and it's about, and that one is definitely about me, but also about the guy that we're dedicating it to who's a New Yorker. And, um, it really had a mind of its own because originally I want to speak, I wanted to speak it completely differently, but it didn't work. And I was like, mm. I want to, I want to, I was thinking of something kind of like more like, um, I don't know, proclaiming it more like really loud and sounded horrible. And so I kind of had to fight around with somehow, you know, speaking it. And that one definitely had a mind of its own, a hundred percent. It's, you know, like that, that like listening to the piece is such like a, it's, it's one of those things, like it takes a long time to like kind of learn that, that skill set, you know, like, it, but you're right. Like how, like you try all these different things and you have this thing in your head, like it should be this aggressive, like, or you know it should be this beautiful kind thing and it's like really what works in that moment or what skill set you have at that at that time or that whatever it may be to execute that expression like i guess kind of learning to listen to these pieces not just on this album but throughout your careers musically like do you remember a, a kind of a turning point that kind of turned on that switch to like i should stop trying to talk and listen mm. i'm I have just recently discovered there's actually there's even a genre in uh, in modern modern music or new music which is called deep listening, and uh, and thinking about that it's it's a genre in music it's called uh, deep listening, and um, and I and uh, I started thinking about this and that uh, listening actually is not a passive thing it's also is an active. Uh, see, it's a, it's an it's an active process. Where if you listen to something closely, you are concentrating, you categorizing, you are uh, you know you you're looking behind obvious sounds and stuff like that. So listening is a very active thing too. And and I started thinking about that. I think it's an, an interesting approach because I never you know I I used to think well you know I'm doing it you know yeah. and. Uh, and listening to it, you know, that's that's just a side effect of it. But actually, the the listening part is very uh, important too. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one thing that we always regret because we never have a lot of time to record. Yeah. And we always say after we, I mean, this time for instance, we only had two weeks to record in the studio, two weeks to mix it, and we had about four days before recording it to like even just start kind of having ideas. So it was super short time and we, 
We always say next time we're going to take a lot more time. I mean, Neubauten take like 10 months. Yeah. I'm always jealous. And, <laughs> and it's old, like, let's... Old farts <laughs> and snob. <laughs> let's, let's somehow ma manage to have at least two months to like work on this in peace oh, yeah. to be able to do exactly that to like you know, record a little and then listen to it to actually take the time to listen to it in peace without having to immediately do something with it <laughs> yeah a lot of the things we do have to do with efficiency in, in different on different levels you know because we usually have this little time to record to start with and then also it's just the two of us so uh, if we if we do something and we think about how are we going to present this live you know like we uh. have to uh, <laughs> you know we have to make the pieces efficient like uh you know, like you might be able to play a really great violin line and a really good chord structure on the auto harp and a, a <laughs> really haunting uh, hurdy-gurdy track. But you have to decide for one thing because you will not be able to play all three things at the same time. And same here, you know, like this is a really great bass line, but... Uh, you I are think, playing the drums. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so it's a uh, you know we have to be efficient in what we do. We, it has to be on on point also. So that that is also a parameter. Did you see the video? I saw the I saw the clip of the video. Yeah, I haven't seen the video yet, but um, I think I, I saw video. it on 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 Instagram. Yeah, that was because it was really cool again. You guys did a really good job with it. Thanks, and um. I didn't do anything. Basically, you know, usually our videos are always us two. Yeah. And this time I thought it would be actually nice to have, you know, every instrument played and then see how many people we actually need in our band. Yeah. We got this. So we got this uh, casting agency involved. They're called uh, Ugly Models. And, uh, and they provided us with these. Um, Different, so basically, different. it was all us and my niece. <laughs> that's like, awesome. you know, it's a huge band. It's a big band, and that's what we usually have to do as the two of us on stage. So it's it's a lot of work. <laughs> um, but yeah, but the, the, it was it was really well done. Like how was it like to build it up like that? And like, but that I think that's a good illustration of what what goes into a piece. And like, and that it's it's. You know, I was just talking with my girlfriend about this because her band's about to record, and they they're doing a little more speedy track than uh than my group does. My group will go in, track a few, and like come back because because we've developed a relationship with this same same place we go. You know, and it gives it gives me time to like kind of do what you guys just said, listen to it, come back for the next thing, and it's it's an elongated thing. But it's something I've started that deep listening that I never thought of it like how, how you described it. But like it is more than just listening to some degree. Like you hear it like you were saying. But like when you really start to like think about everything that's going on, like it makes sense to like people who make music and play music and are concerned about it. But so someone else is just like, wow, yeah, it sounds sad. OK, next song, you know. But like, to like <laughs> you know, like maybe they're not going to be like, well, the oboe sounds sad because of that minor descent or whatever. You know, what I mean, like, but when you have that, like, kind of like listening practice that you partake in that deep listening, like I didn't one, I didn't know that was a genre. I'm going to have to check that out. But like that, like uh, that approach to it becomes like a, a real practice. So being able to like take a couple weeks and then like listen to one song and then go back and then put the thing on really like changed my perception of that. 
And like yeah. we, they're about to go track everything live, which we used to do a lot back in the day. We would go, fuck us the room, we're done, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then, the other hand, I would, I, I, you know, I would really give a lot to be able to listen to music again like I did before I was able to play instruments or before I had I had that analytic listening, you know, like when, like when I was, you know, I, certain songs, you know, I, uh, I still, they evoke the pictures of the comic strips that I was reading as a kid when I listened yeah. to Crocodile Rock by Elton John, you know, like I, I know exactly what superhero <laughs> comic I was you know, reading when, when I, you know, when I heard that song a lot on a KTEL, uh, you know, compilation album or, or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and that was also a really cool time. And, and, uh, and so if I, if we manage to, uh, you know, have people enjoy our music who are not, you know, professionals, you know, and, and just <laughs> that, the, that the music creates just a feeling without anyone for someone who's not been able to analyze what exactly is going on in the music, then that's that's also a really great thing. And I wish I could do that, but I cannot do that anymore. I cannot watch movies without analyzing them. I cannot listening to to music anymore without analyzing it. You know, and that's 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 a bit sad too. <laughs> it definitely is. There's like that kind of thing where like I'm in it now. Like even it's even when I try not to. Uh, not to do that, you find your you you spend so much practice doing that it just happens. Um, yeah, there's this really interesting book. Um, it's called Becoming the Instrument uh, uh -huh. by Kenny Warner. Are you familiar? No. Okay, Kenny Warner also wrote this book called Effortless Mastery. He's a jazz pianist, and he's got a uh -huh. whole bit on there like this kind of approach for trying to do that, trying to like set aside a time where like set aside a way to kind of hear music in a way without letting it let, letting your body just naturally react to it without analyzing it with your mind and it's a, wow i you guys i think you guys would get a kick out of it um yeah becoming the instrument becoming Kenny, the instrument Kenny yeah. werner oh yeah okay all right i just let my drummer borrow it and he was like oh my god this is great and <laughs> like gobbled it up in a week okay <laughs> um but it is interesting. It is interesting, like, going down that. But also there's a beauty to knowing a little bit of what's going on behind it. Like, I, 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 it's a good balance of both, I think, with, with most things in life. Um, but um, do you guys do you guys plan, to, like, are you guys planning to come to the States with this? Because last time I think we, we talked, you guys were playing in Detroit when, you were, when I think we were talking or played – or just played really? Detroit or something. This was years ago, I think, or a year. Yeah. yeah. Many years yeah, ago. Yeah, we haven't been in the U.S. since 1918? 18, 18, 18, 18 to 19. 18 to 19, yeah. 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 We played the West Coast on, in uh, December of 18, and, and then we came back. We to wanted to. We wanted to do a tour for this fall, but everything's become so expensive. The visas have become so expensive that it would have cost us 8,000 euros euros. One and a half weeks. Wow. Yeah, including the visas, the flights, the, the luggage transportation, which has become crazy. And so we're like, we don't, we really can't, we, we don't know how to do that. Yeah, like 8,000 euros yeah. for one and a half weeks is a bit much. Yeah. So we're going to, I don't know, we're touring Canada now in July. 
Um, we've been playing a couple of shows there and then we're going to try and see if we can get something together for next year. That makes more sense. You know, maybe longer tour with less costs if that's possible. I'm, I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> what is it, what, and one thing I admire is that you guys do this all yourselves. Like I've been slamming my head against the wall, trying to like book tours and just where I'm at <laughs> trying to find the crazy cool studios that like have shows in them like you guys are. And it's like, I, it, it's a, a thing I constantly am just running low on. You know what I mean? Like, but also I feel that's because everyone's trying to do the bit and they're trying to get through this stuff. So you, you're screaming at these venues and they're like, you and a million other people. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. It's a lot of work. I mean, you know, I, I usually do it. So I don't know, let's say I write to 200 venues and five answer that say, yes, it's okay. That's, but that's like, sorry, what? That's nowadays, life nowadays in general, you know, it's like such a, it's such a struggle in every way, you know, no matter how long you've been doing it, no matter where you are, it's kind of, I don't know. It's, um, yeah, it kind of really asks you to become extremely inventive and flexible. But I, that, that, that's key. I don't, that's really inspiring to hear, <laughs> like, because it's so hard and then know that, know that it's always going to be, I guess it's just, it's just the way it is, but and also it, it speaks volumes on how persi- uh, persistent and like how long you guys have been doing it and how dedicated you are. And I think that love for that comes through in this record and it comes through with the friends you make going through that process. And like, okay. I, I have a, two more questions and I'll let you guys go. Um, one of which was what's a number to you guys? <laughs> I don't know if that was a, was that the existential friend? <laughs> no, <Nope. laughs> but that's that's a good question. Good. Yeah. Um. That. Uh, yes. I. I. I wrote that because um. There is so much um. Because just before that, I'm I'm uh kind of counting down all the achievements of that person. You know, like <clears throat> she she speaks so many languages. She has done that. She has done that. You know, and and all these different numbers, and uh. And I, I, okay, uh, this is my, my critique. Um, this is my critique against neoliberalism where, um, where you only are, you know, your worth is what you achieve. Your worth is what you, uh, how much money you make, you know, like a house. Like a friend of ours once told us that in Hollywood, he came to Hollywood. He's a very successful music composer. And he said the t- first time he went to a Hollywood mo- a party, people were only introducing him with his name and the movies after his name that were like blockbusters. So he was like he was like the composer for um, Run Lola Run. I don't know if you know that movie. So he would only be introduced as Johnny Run Lola Run. And he said, if you don't have that ta- tag, they're not to introduce you they're just going to completely ignore you so it's kind of like that idea of <laughs> tagging all those things onto your name that you've achieved and in life then, and like what the fuck is it that and then questioning to mean? and then questioning that you know and and going yeah but what what is a number you know you can you know you can count out like all the great things you've done you know but it's just a number of of things you know what how what how does it apply to what you are really worth Oh, yeah, or, you know, you know what, 
what the friendship's about or what the human, yeah. you know, why you love somebody. It's not about the three books or the, the 20 languages or the whatever. It's, it's something completely different. So that's basically what those lyrics are saying. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that one hit really hard. And, really, that's why, like, that's why and I was thinking, like, this is about your guys' journey. I was like, damn. This is this is a heavy one right here because like what that is an excellent question what is this and like and and I think more than uh, recently with like social media and stuff these numbers become like now now it's not even like the movie you scored behind your name but it's the number of followers it's back to like a right. literal exactly. number. Yeah, certain promoters will not work with you. Certain promoters will not work with you unless you have like you know three thousand followers on yeah. uh, on Instagram or, or stuff like that. And then you, you know, I ask myself, yeah, but what is a number? You know, what, what does it what does it even say about the quality of your work, uh, let alone the quality of your person? Right, right. You know, I definitely agree with that because part of that becomes. A skewed, you know, what I mean, like if you spend so much time either trying to accumulate these numbers, you're not you're not doing the thing that is just you. You're finding what's the most accessible part of you to people that don't that are like, oh, that looks neat, like or whatever, you know, or or, or, <laughs> or that sounds, yeah. you know, whatever that is like and like and that, that takes away from the honest expression of who you are because you're too busy trying to please everyone else. And like. I, that's that's I, it, it, and or or the opposite is you someone pays all these things to get all these numbers and it really just muddles it it, it it doesn't show that you have anything to offer except for other numbers to gain numbers <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how the cookie crumbles <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it it beneath all that like uh, amongst all that because there is all that 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 phony kind of like not exciting like i don't know what it is impure like or inauthentic uh tendencies that we see a lot there are the ones that are right like and i it seems like the person who doesn't list the things they've done before or after their name or doesn't tell you the numbers is usually got more of that thing that is inspiration for you to drive from i i don't know what that you know but like it's such a I, I think that's such a, a good check i don't know like it was a beautiful beautiful thought process which is every time i talk with you guys i leave like more more uh, like the, in the inspiration and insight i'm always looking for with talking with people who do what you do and do creative things is 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 right there so i appreciate that oh um, thanks we really enjoy talking to you every time yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> we were looking forward to it. That's why we were so horrified that we were like, you know, too late. <laughs> uh, this, this worked out great. Like, I got a gig in Akron, Ohio, here in a little bit that I gotta start packing up to get to. But um, Akron, Ohio—that's where Devo and Per Ubu come from, right? Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I, have you? I mean, Per Ubu's kind of all around. Europe and stuff. Do you ever cross paths with those cats? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. We saw them, last thing time we saw them was at the um, Primavera. Bar Primavera Barcelona. Yeah, yeah, the Primavera Festival in Barcelona. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, actually, uh, Christoph Hahn, a friend of ours who plays with the Swans, he played with Perubu for for a while. Okay, cool. Also, Tony Mamoni, the the bass player, is a really great guy. He runs the G the G. Uh, 
G-Train Studio in, um, in New York City, and he's a fantastic Italo-American um, original. He's, original. He's in the band. Um, um, he's also in, uh, uh, what are they called? And the Wireman. And the Wireman, yeah. The, yeah. Nice band. Really cool band. Definitely have to check them out. Yeah, and the Wireman. Great music. Very cool. Well, guys, thank you so much for chatting with sure. me. I'm glad we got to make this work. Sorry to wrap it up a little quicker than I would have liked to here at the end, but thank you guys so much, and I'm, I'm really excited for everyone to hear this record, and I think it's a beautiful record, and I'm excited to talk to you guys with the next one, which I'm sure will be sooner than later. <laughs> <laughs> do you have, I guess, maybe that's maybe that's 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 a good final question, is like, what what do you have anything? I know it's like, as soon as you're putting one out, something's in the works. Like, I, at least that's what I got to do. I'm like, I got to be working on something. Do you guys have something like that in the works at the moment? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not going to tell you about it. Okay. 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 <laughs> that would be too much, but it'll be great. <laughs> yeah, we'll tell you in the fall when it comes out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful. Beautiful. All right. Well, thank you guys so much, and um, I look forward to hearing that next project and sending you this guy uh, all this stuff down the line. Thanks okay. so much. Yeah. All right. Have a, Have a good night. evening, friends. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Yo, Spike Spiegel here. You just listened to Zig at the Gig podcast. Keep riding the bebop. See you, Space Cowboy. Bang. <laughs>